Hi and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang and you're listening to the TL podcast where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. Lightning. <laughs> Thunder, lightning, and wine and wisdom. Here we go. Yeah. I can't believe it. You know, anything that can go wrong will go wrong with me organizing it, I'd say. Murphy's yeah. law, mate. Like the lightning struck. Yeah, <laughs> but the, light, the lightning, it's just what's one second. However, there's worse. You know, there's people whose house is going to be underwater. Yes. There's going to be water rising in some parts of Sydney. So there's worse than just, uh, uh, what is it, a hitch in the uh, power here. Absolutely. How are you guys going? How's how are you going? Going great. Where are you, Stephen Thompson? Um, currently re- residing in a hotel while our house is finished renovating. Yeah. Beautiful. You look like you got a gold, uh, serious wall behind you there. <laughs> oh, no, that's that's called curtains. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> down, downtown Parramatta. So Lisa's been oh. doing a course down here. So we've just popped down here and. We can all work remotely these days, so that's what I've been doing every day. So beautiful, very good, good. very good. You can't live without. She has to go to her course, and then she has to. <laughs> Don't worry, our poor kids were told by the Tyler: walk in the front door, walk straight upstairs, and do not walk on anywhere else in the house. So I thought, <laughs> you know, I could just imagine them sitting in their beds eating McDonald's. So yeah. uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I could go to a nice restaurant last night. So. <laughs> Very good. Oh, they better not join at this point in time. Let's get into the wine quickly. Absolutely. Quickly. Well, so, I think I may have... Um, before we go, that. I just sort of share with everyone, he didn't give us the easiest of tasks oh. this week. Come on. Searching yeah. out, we had to get a red. It was a red, right? I hope it was a red. Jeez. Yeah, it was a red. A red from Mudgy, and yeah. it had to be at least 2017 or, yeah. or earlier, right? And I don't know about you guys, but it wasn't an easy search. No, um, we're not easy. bottle shop I was the lucky one, I think, so. Well, I went to five or six bottle shops and I still didn't qualify. So Is there that many in port? I mean, seriously. I found bottle shops that I didn't know existed. <laughs> I went to my go-to guy at Dan Murphy's, who's, I think his name's Michael. He's been my help every week. Um, even he said, is this a stitch up? Is this a joke? And I said, I think you're right. I think I've been, <laughs> I think this is a wild goose chase, but... The best I could come up with is a 2009, uh, from uh, 2019 from Mudgy. Manamagu. 2019. That's not, that's not five years. Oh, I know, I know. But unless I got on a plane and flew to Sydney to get myself a bottle to qualify, which would have been an expensive wine and wisdom, I thought <laughs> I just have to dequalify myself this this week and and what a cheat. lose. All right, all right, all right, all right. That means lunch. But, you know that, Lou. That means lunch, right? You know that, right? So <laughs> no, that wasn't in the contract. That, that's converted now to Dom. He's <laughs> uh, mate pairing you off. So. <laughs> Anyway, so I'm not going to talk much about mine. It doesn't qualify. So you guys go right ahead. All right. What about you, Stephen? Um, I managed to find the only bottle in Parramatta, uh, thanks to Valor Cellars. Um, yeah. It's a bottle of Robert Stein um, oh. Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon. So, and it's a 2012. So, wow. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. How much was that? $50. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. You see, the, the guest is Abdo and the host. What What's happening, uh, Louise? <laughs> All right. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, what about you? Did you find any? So, like Lou, I did went searching and I went searching and I went searching and I got a butter McGill as well. <laughs> and I thought, what, what's what's it mean? What's Bunna Magoo mean? It's actually it's Aboriginal. Yeah. No, it's an Aboriginal word for meeting of waters because it's where two rivers join into one. So, mm -hmm. and what year was it though? And this is a 2016. This is a Cab Sav Merlot. Oh. Yeah. Um, 2016. So, I was very, very lucky. Just got in there. Um, they had three bottles in the shop. Those three bottles were now in my cellar. And. <laughs> And this is one of them. They had a lot of other Bunna Magoo, but it was all 19, like Blue got 20 and all that sort of stuff. So I was very yeah. lucky. I must say, Bunna Magoo yeah. makes a nice wine. We, we, we often visit that estate and a, a very nice wine, I will say. So mm. I've not been to Mudge yet. Stephen, you need to turn off your notifications. Oh, I've turned everything off. <laughs> still keeps um, I've not I've been no to Mudge yet. I hear it's good, good food, good restaurants and so forth out there as well. Yeah. Mm. All, All right. right, here's mine, Allendale, 2015, Cap Sav, Winemakers Reserve. Mm. And the nice thing about this one here, it's about 15.5% alcohol content. Very, oh. very strong. Probably closer, more port than a wine. So <laughs> we'll see. We might have to cut uh, today's... <laughs> we'll see how we go. Right. Or make it really interesting at the end. But Maji, if you haven't been here to go, I think everyone goes to the Hunter Valley because it's uh, closer. But Maji is a beautiful place to just visit. Um, it used to be a what is it? A mining, a gold mining town. And, yes. Um, they 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 really try to get the wine going now. I think it's going to be a few more years. But anyone who's got a bit of money, invest in that. They will probably have a nice estate or a nice property close to those estate that be sought after. You know. Funny thing is, I've got a customer, I've, I've listed his house, it's going to hit the market next week. And I said to him, you know, where are you moving to? He goes, I'm moving to Mudgee. I've bought a house and land package, brand new home, single level, $680,000, uh, totally complete. I said, oh, that's fantastic. You can have some, you know, a really good selection of wines. He goes, I don't drink. I never have. Oh. Gone, what? <laughs> but okay, he's going to move to Mudgee. So all good. Yeah. All good. But I think it's going to becoming a very popular place. So I think you're right, Thomas, about... Um, the land and the values up there i think it'd be good investment mm. for, you know the mm. next 10 20 years and on your way you you drive past the one and only wolgang valley that's a nice place to stay for a night if you can mm. <laughs> if you can sell like sell one of your children um <laughs> you'll be able to afford it well you know I've you take the, you, you, you take the three weeks of the Parramatta trip and and you can have two nights there Stephen. <laughs> But cheers, yeah, guys. Let's try this wine. Cheers. Cheers. And thank you again, Stephen, for sending in uh, for Cameron. He couldn't be here. He didn't apologize. But um, oh, that's, good. <laughs> that's good. Very nice. That's not bad, actually. It is, isn't it? More well, than mine is. Oh. Mm. All right. Well, one thing One thing I read up on Maji was um, I, I went to uh, France many years ago and went to the Beaujolais Wise region here. Near uh, where they Dujon in around Dujon, yeah. And a lot of the wineries were saying that the more limestone in the ground, the better flavour out of the rocks that they get. And apparently, Mudgee has a lot of limestone, 
uh, are, you know, a little bit way down, but they've got a lot of limestone. So that's why it's become mm. a really good wine area. Yeah. Mm. How's, your, how's your wine, mate? Be, be 10 years or 11 years old, Stephen? Yeah, no, it tastes nice. It's, it's, really? still, mm. it's still good flavour and, it, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Mm. It's very, very rare that we can keep those kind of wines that that long. Not for much as, as yet, but about the five and seven, it would have been really the... I've got another bottle that I found at home that was a 2002 from Mudgy. Oh, um, we, we bought it when we were out there in June. And, Why didn't you um, bring that one? Oh, because, <laughs> well, actually, truthfully, when I went to open it, I bring it, Lisa goes, Oh, that was a really nice bottle. Are you going to drink that at wine and wisdom on your own? Um, so I went and found something else, but no, it was beautiful considering it's a you know 20 year old bottle. Um, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, I think we bought like half well, a case of it. So, well, the thing, um, Di has these amazing clients that we've had for like 10 or 15 years, Tasman 18, Stephen. Yes, um, and every year they used to come over, they lived at Mudgy and they used to bring Di this case. Is there such a thing as black Shiraz? Yes. Or yeah, yeah. So they used to bring this amazing black Shiraz. So after going to six bottle shops, of which two I didn't even know existed and no one could help me, I suddenly remembered, Di, Di's got all that Shiraz from Mudgy that she gets every year. And she's like, Lou, we sold that last year. I haven't had any cases since last year. And I'm like, <laughs> so it was my last ditch attempt to qualify. But um, and I'd never heard of it until she showed it to me and said yeah. what a black Shiraz was. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I and she said, even if I did have them, I get them and they don't last very long. So you would have been out of it. <laughs> we have to do a podcast from Mudgee, I reckon. I think that yeah. might be the next, yeah, uh, well, yeah. Could Can be away that week? I'll go to Mudgee. <laughs> <laughs> we can fit five people on a podcast, mate. No, it's not, we can fix that, Stephen. That's easy. Easy. Oh, <laughs> I, 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 I lie to him and I tell him that some kind of school wants to interview him for his son. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's new this week? What's new? What is the news? Apart from Optus getting hacked, and then um, I just found out that uh, Medibank Private also got hacked as well just recently, and they've, mm. a lot of information's been released from that. So mm. I'll tell you what, I was hacked this year, and can I tell you, it's the biggest pain in the ass to get everything back up and running. Mm. My God, what a nightmare. Mm. An absolute nightmare. Luckily, I didn't lose anything. Um, I, I, they got into my credit card, but I, um, the bank reimbursed me on that. But uh, we had one of our um, one of our tenants was caught up in the Optus hack. Never ever dishonoured on his rent ever, and suddenly he dishonoured. So we thought something's up here. So we contacted him and said, "What's happened? Like you've never?" He said, "Oh, Optus hack, done him for a hundred and eighty grand." Mm. What do you mean hundred and eighty grand? The way he chose to go. Yeah. Yep. 180,000 bucks. Was he an older bloke? No, he's a um he's probably in his 30s. He's he's well off. He works for one of the major like uh, energy companies up here. I think he's like an engineer or something. Um but he's he's quite well off, but he's he doesn't he's not from Australia, so he's over here on contract and yeah. It's just yeah, it's so close to home. You sort of think, oh yeah, whatever, you know, one of those sort of things. But um, yeah, when we called him, we were shocked. We thought, Jesus, you know. So it's far and wide. You know, with all the hacks, guys, one thing I learned a lot of, a lot of, I actually didn't realize it was on a lot of uh, the websites is two-factor authentication. Mm. Um, majority of them have it. If you haven't, um, mm. like 
if you're not using it on all your logins, get going. The other night I received a, a text message saying, um, here's your login to uh, PayPal. Here's yeah. your code to get into PayPal. And I'll sit and have a dinner. So obviously someone was trying to get into my account through oh, my, look, you, absolutely. my and email we had to like we've changed a lot of policies just with regards to we don't we don't like obviously when a settlement's pending and and we're you've got to transfer large sums of money out of the trust account and things we don't accept um bank details over email because obviously it can be intercepted by anybody and they quickly change those details and next minute that settlement proceeds of settlement have gone into the wrong account instead of that and so yeah. we always confirm them over the phone we we you know verify them and things like that because you just don't know you don't know who to trust now um yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a worry, but anyways. Big business overseas. It's big business. Sure is. People sure getting scammed is. and hacked and all that sort of stuff. It's huge business. Yeah. But yeah. Um, anyway. Oh, let's, get, let's get into our subject now, if if we can, please, because uh, Stephen's getting asleep, falling asleep here. <laughs> no, we just he's a featherweight, remember? You got, got, got big boots to fill in this week, <laughs> I know big man, big dogs watching, and um, he's going. Hold on, big shoes to fill. Uh, is this guy going to replace me? He can replace Thomas anytime because Thomas likes him. But can he replace me? No, I can't. I can't keep replacing people. You know, I, I'm not not free every Thursday night, guys. So <laughs> leave it at you four, and I'll, I'll step in if I'm needed. Uh, anyways, so topic this week we're obviously real estate related. So we we're going to talk about the true cost of bad decisions in real estate because we see a lot of them, um, and a lot of people don't realise the true cost until it's too late. So okay. I think. Yeah, I think we can. Well, also I, I propose a proposal. We go through a few things. Right, first we we'll, we we'll look at it from the consumer point of view, mm -hmm. and then secondly we will look at it from an employee's point of view, making bad decisions, and then we will look at it from an employer's point of view. Is that okay? Yeah, yep. absolutely, mate. Absolutely. So, so let's start with the consumer point of view. What have you got, Lou? Um. Well, let's, start, let's start with me so that I, I give you a bit of direction here. Uh, I think that from a consumer point of view, one of the big mistakes that consumers do have is that they're being used by their human nature. And one of them is hope. Every time a seller sees an agent, they hope that they're going to get the highest price from that person. They and, and hope as a human nature can sometimes just play you because you're more willing to hear that lie then, then having to look at reality and decipher for yourself it's, whether it's right or wrong. Mm, absolutely. I think exactly that, Thomas. And, that, and like, especially people in a vulnerable position, the hope's even um, blown up even more because like we've all been sellers before and you get wooed by the, the, the price that they tell you. Um, and it's usually a case of selling a dream and delivering a nightmare, a literal nightmare at the end of the day, because it's, we can all tell sellers whatever we want to tell them really at the end of the day, but the ethical ones will tell them that's, I'm here to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. Mm. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of consumers think bigger, bigger or better, uh, more, more is better and so forth, whether it's, you know, a high sale price, a bigger team, more offices, more signboards, more mm. sales, whatever it might be. Everybody thinks more is always better, but it's not. We we use the old analogy a 50 cent coin is a lot bigger than a $2 coin, right? But which one's worth more? And uh, I think that's when it comes down to the seller's requirements. We only spoke about this recently was <coughs> to 
do their own investigations. Don't be, don't take the lip service or the shiny objects for the how they appear and really look into that person or the company that you're looking at um, employing. Um, mm -hmm. It is upon yourself. It is mm -hmm. upon yourself to make those decisions. And mm -hmm. there's many a ways. And we mentioned that about just asking for the last couple of numbers of the people that they've served mm. from the mm. from the agents. I, I would even I would, wouldn't even go there. But let's let's wait for now for Stephen. I think pick, picking the cheapest agent. Uh, I mean, that's cost many a seller. I mean, they might save on being picking the cheapest agent, but it doesn't save them when that seller that agent undersells their property by twenty to fifty thousand dollars because they took the first offer that came in the door and that's it so even though chris says people want bigger and better um a lot of sellers want the lowest and cheapest and nastiest fee yeah. and basically want you to sell their property for the without anything and mm. then it costs them and and some of them i've seen i've had sellers come back to me later on who go i really disappointed i made the wrong decision i picked someone else because you they were cheaper than you and then mm. you just sold the property up the road for 30 or forty thousand dollars more than mine i know mine was better so now i know the real cost to using that agent well yeah. i mean the whole reason i'm in real estate today is because i did the typical vendor thing i chose an agent to sell an investment property who was the cheapest nastiest that i could find because in my mind it was well you are all the same i'll just go with the cheapest but hence didn't sell and end up having to employ darren butcher as the agent and then he offered me a job and here i am today but it's the saying we have now cheap ain't good and good ain't cheap and that's the reality it's and that's the, that applies with everything you know there's a reason why some tvs are a thousand bucks and other tvs are ten thousand bucks because there's a difference they might look the same and do the same but there's obviously a difference that they provide um but yeah, I think that's a big one, a very big one. Choosing an agent based on what they cost you as opposed to what they bring you is a huge, big no-no. Yeah, it, 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 I just want to stop the, the three of you guys there because that doesn't exist. What you guys are talking about doesn't exist. It is not possible to know who's the cheapest agent before you sign on the contract. This is so, so most of these sellers are already making a mistake because they can't even calculate. I mean... For example, I, I cost you 4%. Louise costs you 2%. How the hell do you know that I'm the most expensive one? Yeah. You have so the only way that you can make the decision is by telling yourself, this is the price I'm going to end up with. I'm going to end up with $1 million. Yes, if you know the price you're going to have on that signed contract, you now know who's the cheap and who's the most expensive agent. Mm. But until you get that, how do you know? Mm. you know? It would be like saying, I know who's the best surgeon to operate on my kid's cancer, right? Because he's only 20,000, the other guy is 100,000, I'll go with the 120,000 because he's the cheapest. First of all, it's funny that when it comes to your kid's cancer, you, you're a bit more serious and you go, no, no, it's not about money. I just want my kid to be alive. So you do a bit more research. But you, you never get to the outcome to say, well, 20,000 is better than 100, but they do that with a real estate agent. And, they, and to me, it's like, it's crazy. I look at families sometimes who spend five, six years to save for the deposit, and they just blow it by thinking that, hold on, three or two is cheaper than four. Mm. Yeah. So I think that the discussion is, yes, it may be your fee is not the lowest, but I'm sorry, you can't say that your fee is not the cheapest.
Mm, yeah and you're so right Thomas it's just trying to get people to understand that at the beginning you know it's like they're looking at um, and and as agents we all work for free we don't get paid up front we've got to do the job and if we don't do the job we don't get paid you I know, said that line unless, today to a customer unless you're a bad one but, but that's the reality like you're making a decision of your five or six years of saving for your deposit you know, and it's like, do you want to save a thousand dollars up front or fifty grand at the end? Because that's the difference between a good agent and a bad agent. One's going to be cheaper up at the beginning, but it's going to cost you a hell of a lot more at the end. You know, but it's yeah, you're so right. But it's how do we get owners to understand that? Because human nature is we go, you're all the same. I'll choose the cheapest. No, no. One other thing that I would advise our agents to do is sit down with them and tell them, I give you ten thousand dollars if you they can demonstrate that the four agent is more expensive. Yeah. I give you $10,000. Now here's the check. Do it. But mm -hmm. if you can't demonstrate it, you have to pick me. Deal? Yeah, yeah. Right. The person who wants it for half a percent is probably not going to... Well, actually, they might take the $10,000 just on a test because that, yeah. that money would talk to the person who wants to pay half a percent, you know? No, no, no. I said demonstrate. I didn't say... Mm do that because yes yeah, sure there, there will be agents who will be silly but demonstrate it show me on paper how it is yeah yeah it's uh, a big but, but so how, how how do they let, let's go back to hope for example with those people with hope how do they i know that uh, you said earlier chris they should really ask for two numbers to call yeah i disagree with that. i disagree with that i think that if you ask an agent for two numbers you're gonna get the best two Mm. And sellers should go out there and knock on the signs. That's it, Dad. That, that, right? yeah. That's because at least you know you've got full control of which sign you're knocking on, and you you've got full objectivity. Mm. Yeah, everything's available on real estate domain, so there's no secrets on the internet. Net today, there's no secrets. Yeah, yeah. ask Optus. Um, so. Yeah. The, there's easy it's easy enough for them to find the addresses of the places that they, they that agent is just yeah so you're spot on you're spot on yeah. absolutely yeah. And, and against hope uh if people were saying to me all right it's, it's nice for the guy to say hope but how do i say that i i i, I wish sellers could really ask themselves as they go through the interviewing of the agent am i buying hope right now mm. Because if you can answer that question, what you're doing is that you're bringing some sense of awareness to the moment mm. to see whether you're doing this for the wrong reason. Because mm. you're selling your home, it won't be on hope of getting the highest price. It is that certainty you're going to get the highest price. Mm. Mm. And when you ask yourself, am I buying hope? Am I hoping right now? Then that allows you to reset your thinking. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yep. With, with hope, I think if people just, and we don't like, we, we use the word, you know, people give us the word we want to think about it, but if they just do their research before they start interviewing agents, yeah. I think that's probably, I think that's probably a, a very good tool. So when they're interviewing, they might pick, instead of interviewing five or six, instead of getting lip service, you're educating yourself already to who you feel may be the best person to sit with. Even before you know they're in your lounge room or your dining room table, yep. delivering delivering to you what they can do. But like uh, you said, everything's available on the internet. They can go and yeah. look everything that's sold in their suburb on a, on a, some mm. real estate website somewhere and mm. see what their property should sell for. But yet, someone comes in and promises them a hundred thousand dollars more, and they go, "Yeah, let's take it." 
you know, yeah. like we'll, we'll go with that person. I mean, you know, they just told us the biggest story, but it could happen. And that's where your hope comes back. You know, we're one of the highest country of gamblers where people go and put money on one horse out of 12 to win. 15. And 15 well, yeah, see, I don't tell you. Or, I maybe, or even maybe more. But, you know, they go and put a, a bet on on the hope that the horse that they just bet on might win. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you, you can't go for a trifecta like with real estate agents where they just pick three and hope that one of them's going to win. Like, yeah. you know, but but we were from a country that is one of the highest rates of gambling. So mm. the, the sad part is it's okay to gamble five, ten, a hundred dollars on a horse. But when you're selling a million dollar property and you're gambling on the wrong agent, that's the bad yeah. decision that can come. Mm. Yeah. If you know if you know where to stop on the horse, even at, uh, at the roulette, uh, if you know where to stop, you can look at the hundred dollars that you spend as entertainment, right? So, but I I find I'm I'm dumbfounded that people who have spent four years to sacrifice their life, not going on to the best holiday, not going out there to dine in a nice restaurant, when it comes to selling their house, would just do take decision based on the fact that they like the person for example you know that would be like me picking the surgeon for my daughter because i like it mm. <laughs> doesn't make sense we love but we do that with 40 50 thousand dollars of our savings exactly it's another great. thing from the consumer consumer point of view for me is dodgy agents oh and aren't they some aren't there some some of the things i've seen lately is just you know mind-blowing but um we all know they exist and and whatever and like we were talking briefly on a situation that you guys had thomas last week I, yeah. I i really have not heard something so bad to be honest but um you know that's just one of many stories i'm sure but um and i think the market that we're sort of going into it's going to bring the best and worst out in people and we're probably only going to be seeing more and more of it unfortunately you know so but um how like my thing is, if it's too big, too good to be true, it probably, you know, if it smells like a rat and looks like a rat, it's probably a rat, you know. Um, and unfortunately, again, it's where we work in an industry where we come across people, we're dealing with their biggest assets. And a lot of the time, well, maybe not a lot of the time, but some of the time they're in very vulnerable positions, you know, whether it's been a deceased estate or a marriage breakdown or people have lost their jobs and you know interest rates are going up so we're getting we're dealing with people's biggest assets in vulnerable times so the emotion is high and it's it's a very easy if you're a bad person it's a very easy sort of way to get away with a lot take advantage so, of people at the wrong what time are some of the examples though for the people watching that a dodgy agent can cost a, a seller like make make a seller make a bad decision i mean how do you determine a dodgy agent because I mean, some of the dodgy agents actually look look the part and can be the part, but when the push comes to shove, they do the wrong things. How's a seller going to know what to be aware of? Mm, mm. Well, what? I think the first one is if you're interviewing three, four, five agents and one's come above and then he's 50 or 100 grand more than everyone else, hang on, if four intelligent people are saying it's this price and then we've got one cowboy, how about you look into it a little bit more? I think yeah. the first one would be, yeah, a, yeah. a price frame that's way above what everyone else's expectation Yeah, but the other thing is, too, we're real estate agents. We're not builders. We're not carpenters. We're not plumbers. We're not electricians. We're not lawyers. We're not, you know, 
if they start giving all this advice and start offering all these other services in other areas, you've got to start to wonder, well, hang on, yeah. what's, what's the bigger picture here? Yeah. You know? That yeah. we, if, if they start, if they start to go out of their lane and try and do all these other things, you got to start to wonder what are they really in it for? Are they in it for my best interest and getting me the highest price, or are they in it to look after all their mates and possibly their own little side hustle that they've got? I don't know. And I think that's one of the ones that I would have picked is the agents. Number of times I, I've had to make a seller aware in our area that the person buying their property is actually their agent. Yeah. And they haven't disclosed it. They haven't provided any of the required sections. The seller didn't know, or they find, you know, they, it's their daughter buying it or their brother buying it or their development company buying it and no advice to the seller whatsoever. Haven't followed any of the regulations, but, mm. you know, nine out of 10 sellers, A, don't know the legislation that, is a, that the agents have to abide by, mm. but B, go, oh, well, I mean, they told me it's the best price I was going to get. I guess I'm happy with it and move on and, and don't want to go and take the agent to task for, misleading and deceptive conduct so um yeah. you know and that's i say i've seen a lot of that over the years yeah with agents who just you know suddenly you see and you see the surname who bought the property and think yep i knew i was right you know yeah that's um, right well, we, we've seen a bit of that actually um not in this town but like where our other offices in foster and there's a bit of that going on where you know some agents have bought properties but they've bought them off market and you know and you hear the prices and you just think did they you know did they get a valuation at least or something but you know in many cases no it was just a this is what it's worth and i'm the agent that's what i'm telling you so that's what i'm paying you and again vulnerable people in vulnerable positions you know if it's what they want to hear then yeah so yeah that's but i don't know whether it is vulnerability um louise uh, an, uh, an owner wants a million. His house is only worth 800. Mm -hmm. He listen to an agent. And I know in Kiladivere, we have an agent in the neighborhood who does that. So he will listen to an agent who would say, no, mate, I've got a building company of mine. I'll get them to come over. We'll, we'll, we'll pretend we'll, uh, to do some kind of work for you so that I can give you $200,000 for my work. It only costs you 20, but we'll mm -hmm. give you a $200,000 invoice Mm. and you can actually claim it back. Now you don't make up for the difference. So there are, there are people, but it's not just vulnerability. I think it's right. greed no, because it's these sellers are greedy. They make it easy for those vultures to go out there and lie about it. I think that the Department of Fair Trading ought to really wake up instead of going around and having a look at like who hasn't got their license on the window. Just have a look. And the licensee you have in, in the in town. You know, what who do they what company do they have on top of that? Are they doing shonky things? Uh, go and ask for clients. Maybe you should knock on some of those sites and have a look. You mm. know, I think it does read a bad name for the rest of the agents. I mean in, in, in the neighborhood where the Kilaniville office is, there's amazingly good teams, but there's constantly these kind of hooligans that go around and lie and cheat and they don't take advantage of people. They just take advantage of human nature, greed yeah. in sellers. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're hundred percent right. In some situations, like the, the couple of situations that I've heard of, it has been people that, um, you know, you know, uh, lost their job or whatever. And so they are in positions where they need a quick sale. And so 
you know, they just believe anything they hear. But um, it's the same with, um, I don't know what your guys take is on agents who provide building and pest reports when they're selling. Like I've never, been, <laughs> I've never been a fan of that. Um, and I always say, look, oh, why we get this? Why don't you provide building and pest reports? And my answer always is, well, how do you know it's not my best mate that's doing them? You know, it's so quite at the easy. Moment, so there's, there's, there, there's ways around that now, which is which are fantastic systems. There's companies like, um, I'm not going to name it, but there's companies out there, pest and building companies, they'll go and do the report for free and mm -hmm. they actually don't charge the owner or the agent and it's completely independent. And then they make that uh, report available online and everyone who wants a report pays for it. So they might sell one or two reports or they might sell none. They take that risk, but um, they're still hold, held accountable for that report being right. Um, but the owner doesn't pay them or the agent doesn't pay them. They're totally independent. So you've got a very good independent report being done. So there are the possibility of that happening, Lou. Um, and well, I'm finding more now in the area that I've come into that it's it's a lot more frequent than it was previously. But I think that's at least, it, it, that's like, a, I can't think of the word, but it, it's not joined in any way. I think Lou's yeah. talking more about the agents. It's in, they're independent they, of each other, absolutely. I mean, we're very yeah. re reluctant these days to even recommend a pest and building inspector to someone. And some of the local conveyances are now doing the same thing, going, not sorry, go look someone up yourself because we've been hauled over the coals or sued because something went wrong with a report. And because we recommended you, now we're liable for it as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. you're on your own and and of course then you do recommend someone and something bad happens and then they look back at us so yeah. i think we've got to be very careful on that i think absolutely you know, the consumer has to you know there's plenty of stuff on google go google who you're going to choose you know yeah i don't know yeah, where i, I heard think, it but I, I but i still believe that we should really be out there to help the consumer um yeah. i i have an office in kilanivel and and i um i'm gonna make sure that this thing here is gonna go around our area because anyone from Tambiyambi to Kilanivel, if you have experienced uh, agents who have done the shonky things, uh, just call me and, and, and pass it on to me uh, at Wiseberry in Kilanivel. We will pass it on to the Department of Fair Trading. I think that that would be something good. Uh, if it's not for yourself, at least you're helping clean up for your mm -hmm. neighbor. You know? That's it. Well, That's you're protecting, it. yeah, you're protecting your neighbours, your kids, like the next round of people. Because I think exactly like what you said, Thomas. Unfortunately, we we get tied with the same brush. A lot like sales, uh, car sales people. You know, apparently they're there, and the the worst of societies here, and we're about there. So unfortunately, we all get tied with that same brush. So, but the reality is, we're very, very different at the end of the day. You know, so. Anyway, what else? I've heard story for buyers as well. I've heard story of shonky agents manipulating contracts and so forth um, <clears throat> to make the property look good, like removing sewer diagrams. Not sorry, removing a sewer from a diagram, um, scanning it, then putting it back in the contract and so forth. Are you serious? Um, yeah, absolutely. To just just to fool the buyer into saying it's clear block, do what you want and so forth. And yeah, absolutely. So you've you've got to be very as a buyer, you've got to be on your toes as well to make sure that you know everything's uh, you know on the up and up. If, so, if you know, as you said before, Lou, if you've got that gut feel, if you've got an intuition, you know something's not right here. And that goes for sellers too. Mm. Buying hope, but even with buying hope, I, I still think there's that gut feel, that intuition that's like 
mm. you know what, something's not 100% here. I'm not 100% comfortable. Yeah. Look into it a little bit more. But yeah. for buyers, I think not inspecting the property they're buying is still a bad decision. Yes. Um, you know, it's easier to buy a property offline or get coaxed into, you haven't got time to come and have a look at it, just buy it, you'll be right. But, you know, I've heard stories of people who found out the property they bought only had two bedrooms because they thought they were buying a three bedroom. They mm -hmm. realised that um, the property backed onto power lines, which fortunately no pictures were taken by the agent of the power lines in the shots. But of course, when they turned up on settlement day, so you know, you want to avoid a bad decision in real estate, go look at the property you're buying. It's not like it's a $5 bet at the TAB. It, yeah. It's a, you know, million odd dollar purchase. Go and have a look at it. I mean, we'd all climb in a car before we bought it. So mm. go climb in the house you want to buy. Mm. Yeah. Good point. I think one of the signs for, for the consumer when you're interviewing the agent is have a look. If an agent is very quick at putting his competition down, that's exactly what he's going to do behind your back. Yes. Right. So I, uh, as a, if I was a seller, that will be the first thing for me to look at. Uh, I'm having a discussion. I will bring up a name and I will watch very carefully at how he handles that. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we That's just a like that. life principle about being a good person, isn't it? It's that saying what Susie says of Sally says more of Susie than Sally, you know, and that's one thing we teach our, I know, it's tongue twister, Chris, don't what worry. That? That's Susie, mate. That's Susie. Mine's <laughs> <laughs> a Susie somewhere. It's, it's, you know, but, it, but basically what it's saying, you know, um, exactly that. And that's one thing we teach the, the staff as well. You, you, and it's like one of the interview principles as well. It's like, how do, how do they treat their boss on the way out? Is how they're going to treat you on the way out? So we always ask that same question. But, you know, it's so true. And how many times, like, I've been, I've almost felt like I've been set up and I've walked into a listing appointment and, you know, they try and throw the bait at me as, you know, this person, that person, and he said that about you. And I say, well, I don't know that person personally, so I have nothing to say, unfortunately. If that's what you're after, I've got nothing. Um, but then I get the listing, you know, and, um, you know, so it does happen and it happens. They think some people think discrediting another person is going to lift them up. It just, you know, in the smart person's mind, it just puts them down. So let's let's recap here so that we can move on to the next chapter. Uh, the I, I think that a home seller needs to really uh, be prepared. Right. Rather than go on to the fact that he liked the agent, he received the gift from the agent and he saw signage. Be prepared. Do your own research. Mm. As much as before you choose a, a, a surgeon, do you do your own research? That's uh, it. Make sure that while you are in the presentation, be aware of what is driving you. Is mm. the drive the uh, hope? Are you mm. getting excited because they're telling you something that is fulfilling your hope? Uh, and, and I think that it is very important to probably go out there and knock on a few signs of mm. the edge you think. Mm, 100%, 100%. And just with the hope thing, I was just thinking about it right then. Ask yourself, without hearing the price, have you still got the hope? Because I think the big, the hope thing comes in when they've told a, a, a ridiculous price, it's unrealistic. If you feel good up until that point, it's probably a good decision. But if you're feeling good just because of the price they've told you, it's probably the bad decision. Yeah. And on, on Stephen's fees, uh, don't believe the fees. Yeah. We're knock, as, you knock, as you knock on the door, ask these, the sellers, or are you happy so far 
with the price that you are getting or the offers you're getting because that will tell you whether they baited you with a low fee right so that you totally mesmerized by that and forget about what you're going to end up with yeah yeah you know in the market we've been in it's like swimming in a you know when the tide's in now the tide's going out we're going to be who swept it see who's been swimming naked <laughs> um, people are going to be caught caught out I, I think in the market we're coming into they need to well, be stepped I, out and step as up. i'm representing cam here we just hope it's not you chris because I, <laughs> like I don't want to put you all the same that's why <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny yeah okay so let's have a look at the second group now uh, let's imagine now you're an employee what would be some of the bad decision that you could make that would cost you in the end an employee jumping into a job for the sake of changing careers straight away without again doing your research on the company um you're going to work for a salesperson they're going to sell you the role so you as a sales as a, a new employee into that position if you're changing careers you yeah. need to do your research on that company it's mm. simple or they're going to sell you the shiny thing Mm. I think the real one with that, Chris, is just believing that the grass is going to be greener. Mm. I mean, real estate is hard work. It doesn't matter whether it's in ABC real estate or XYZ real estate, it's still going to take hard work to achieve. And at the moment in our industry, we've talked about it before, there's a lot of people out there offering big, unbelievable salaries. And you know what, it's easy to think the grass is going to be greener, but no one, you know, nothing in life is free in, you know, we, we know examples of people who have moved from one agency to another and they're not even there anymore two months later because they mm. didn't cut that didn't cut what they needed to do and they're straight out the door and you know what, it looked great before you crossed the line and there's no yeah. coming back once you've crossed that line. So I just That's think it. you've got to think, if you've got a personality for a salesperson, if you've got a personality crash clash with your leader, different story. But if you're purely leaving because there's big money on offer, stay where you are and just go to work. Well, well, Stephen, the, the business owner, he's also a businessman. Mm. He's not going to put out a, a, a high salary for nothing, right? Mm. If he doesn't see a return, he's going to just flick it. Oh, Do you know I have, I've run, uh, I've been trading offices for over 30 years. And I can tell you, the every owner sit down and do the same thing. If I pay someone little, I my patient is low. If I pay someone a lot, my patient is short. It's always been the same everywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that. I've never heard that one before. I like that. Yeah. But I'm it is. about but patients I... today, Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like what Stephen said, you know, any, and, and what we're going back to, any agent can tell you any price for your house and you can get wooed. Any any potential employee can tell you any salary really at the end of the day, but the grass might look greener, but it is sure as shit just as hard to mow. That's the that's No, the it's built on a septic tank. That's why it's greener. That's, that is true. And that's what I say at the office as well. But you know, the thing is, real estate's not easy. A lot of people think real estate is easy, but if it was, why isn't everybody doing it? Because it's the most uncapped salary in the world, really, industry where you can earn, your income is dependent upon how hard you work, not by how many letters you've got after your name, you know? And so, it, but, it, but it's not easy, it's hard, it's hard work. And that's the thing, a lot of people, and especially now since COVID, a lot of people are 
feeling a little bit more entitled, want a little bit more flexibility, and everybody wants more money, you know. But it's, you know, it really, it's it's you at the end of the day that that might look good. But like Stephen said, they 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 go because of the carrot. But then one month, two months later, they're no longer there. And the worst part is they've burnt their bridge on the way out. There's no going back. And so if all that person has done is take you from the competition, they don't no longer have to deal with you. Well, they've really got nothing to lose. So I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big problem. I think we're seeing it a lot. I've he heard a lot of stories of a lot of big figures. Um, but again, if it sounds too good to be true, it's probably a, well, a good example, Lou is, um, I remember you talked about it a few weeks ago, how, um, one of the agents in your area actually had their personal assistant contact you and said that you've been headhunted by that agency and they'd like to come work for you. And you said, um, do you know who I am? And they go, yeah, you're a salesperson over at Wiseberry and we just think you'd be a good asset to our team. And Louise goes, well, maybe you should do a bit more research and make a licensing charge and director of the agency. So you haven't done your research. You don't know, but this is the point. They're yeah. just out there, you know, offering anyone, been, sorry, Lou, I didn't mean that, but, you know, yeah. no research, <laughs> offer anyone a job. Um, That's okay. Because they don't care, you know. No, so what, what Stephen's trying to say, Lou, stop behaving like a leader because nobody knows. Okay, fair enough. No, but <laughs> the, the, the best part about that, I was, I was actually on group inspection with my whole team. So I had my whole team in the car with me and they know my, if my phone rings and I'm in the car, I have nothing to hide. I answer it. I don't care who it is you know, I'll take the call. And it was just so perfect because it was so innocent. The person that was headhunting me clearly had no, no, well, not headhunting me, but you know, but had no idea. And my whole team were like, oh my God, does that actually happen? And it's like- How did yeah. you do at the interview anyway, Lou? Hey? How did you do at the interview? <laughs> didn't get uh, it. I didn't go any well. I didn't go very well, obviously. I'm still here. No, I, I gave him a, Isn't I gave Cam him... at an interview today? Isn't Cam at an interview? <laughs> Like, no, I gave him a good old serve, Chris, and I told him to get their bloody facts right and never call me again. That's what I did. That's oh, that's funny. funny. That's funny. Yeah. It just shows, I think it's a good example, and, and our team were very noticing of it, that, you know, we say the grass isn't greener, but you know what? Offers out there for jobs don't mean anything when they just don't even know who they're offering it to. So exactly. you've got to be careful. But the other thing, I think we're, we're focusing on people that are in real estate, potentially getting poached or oh, yeah. whatever. That was just yeah. Yeah. The, other, the other one, I think also for, for new people going wanting to get into real estate, that it doesn't matter your age. If you want to get into real estate, I think the important thing is have the balls to ask questions to the person interviewing you. Yeah. Ask them, you know, what support, what training, how, how do I achieve, you know, how do you like feedback? How will you give feedback? you know what what is my job progression and so forth and so have the have the guts to ask those questions if you're going to change careers you want to make sure your first choice is the right choice yeah. you don't want to be jumping from real estate to real estate because unfortunately we are in a we are in an industry that's very transient mm. and i think i was told a stat when i started real estate 14 13 14 years ago i know that's nothing on you Stephen. you've been in Real estate since Jesus placed it back in Jerusalem. Um, <laughs> um, I think you sold no, the first caveman his cave. But um, no, uh, Stephen is the only species that survived the dinosaurs' destruction. <laughs> so, what, what I was getting at is ask those questions, and you, you want to make sure you're getting into the right team 
the at the right time because at the stat I was getting at the stat. The stat was one in five people within the first twelve months will be there after that. The other four will leave real estate. One in five. Mm. So only one in five will last twelve months. Only well, one in five of them will last ten years. Yeah. So one one in twenty five will be in real estate after ten years. So I think the issue is make sure you're asking the questions, picking the right employee or sorry employer, and and and, and work hard, and, and work hard. But that's a different thing. But you, you've got to make the right decision from the onset, picking the the best. Well, there's only a few chances, Chris. Too. I mean. If you leave one agent, you can probably go to a second agent. If you leave that agent, you can probably go to a third agent. But how many people do we know who's gone to a fourth agent? Unless you, you know, your name's Cheryl. But you know, um, there's really not, not that many people. You know, I mean, you know, someone sometimes people are lucky to go to more, but you just don't have that opportunity. And it's like pick right because if you don't pick the first time, you might have a second or third chance, but that's it. Yeah, because, you know, very rarely will we hire someone who's been round three or four agents unless they've got a really good reason and can show us their awesome commission statements and track record, which they usually can't, which is why we have no one who's been around the traps like that. But I think also when you are starting out, if you've not been in real estate, don't be discouraged by the, the person that tells you you're not old enough and you don't have enough experience. One of our people now that we've got who's absolutely killing it was told, you're too young the best at best i'll hire you as a as a um an assistant to my paping pushing person over there who's not even real estate related and then after a few years you might be lucky i'll put you in sales well we hired that person like that and that person's in sales and absolutely killing it so don't be discouraged by somebody who can't see the flower in the person you know are you talking about bell i am talking about bell then then mention bell because i mean i don't even know well, we 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 got a problem. We we can't even mention the people who are doing it wrong, and then we can't if if, if we can't even then congratulate the people who are doing good good. Um, yeah, well, I, I was going to say Bell, but I, did, I I was thinking I didn't want to go down the track of tell, saying the agent who who. Is that <laughs> Bell the agency or Bell the young um, lady who you're talking about? What's so special that missed out on her? Sorry. <laughs> what was that? Did you just ask me who missed out on her? that missed out on her. No, no, I'm Susie. I'm Susie. I'm not going to say anything about Sally. <laughs> I think, though, another good one for the true cost of bad decisions as a salesperson or as an employee in real estate, your marriage or your relationship. Yes. Everyone, because, I mean, real estate does have a high divorce rate. One, because some people throw themselves too deep into the industry and forget they've got a family. Or two, um, they don't succeed at what they do and their partner uses as an excuse to dump them and move on to something better. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, we do have a high divorce rate in real estate and I think it's something that they, you, you make the wrong decision and your wrong decision could be to not work and to just hide yourself under the radar and mm -hmm. live on the basic wage and it could cost you. I mean, it probably mm -hmm. cost you self-respect, it could cost you your relationship, probably cost you your job, but plenty mm -hmm. of costs out there to making those decisions yeah but mate if, if i was to go in real estate and work long hours meaning i'm sacrificing family time and be at work and i'm not bringing home the bacon my wife should divorce me for sure because really what i'm saying to her is 
I'm taking time away from you that I love the most and return nothing. Mm. What means is that you equal nothing. Mm. Oh, we, oh, don't get, we, we agree, but you, you know, real estate in New South Wales, 80% of salespeople live on the base wage. Mm. What, what, yeah. I mean, you know, $250,000 a year. <laughs> $50,000. Probably will be soon. <laughs> uh, that's that other agent near you that's offering that now. <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to make your house for it as well. Skip, uh, you have to skip breakfast. I mean, yeah, but look, things are going up in price. I mean, what is a salad now? $9 or something? Uh, that's right. Breakfast Ooh. included in my room. I'm fine. So, uh, <laughs> you know? a salad. Give yeah. me a $9 salad. Jeez. Looking at some of the vegetable these days, there's veg. I mean, I it's good that I like vegetable because now I've got a very good exclusive with my wife. I'm looking at how much it is. <laughs> I look at vegetables and I go, that's my food's food. <laughs> but so, yeah. Is there any other employee's mistake? I mean, what are they listing when you're working in an oh. office? If you're new in an office or working in an office, um listening to wrong advice and getting caught up in the sort of um, mm. bad culture within an office. Yeah, I think, I think if you're in an office and you're an employee, you dance to your own tune. You, you just get your head down, ass up and just work and grind and do what you need to do. When I started real estate, I had three other people in my office saying to me, you don't have to do those hours. You don't have to work what you're working, you know, and blah, 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 blah. I was coming in my day off because I come from an industry where I was working six days anyway, and and I and I did the grind and I pushed and I and I and I worked. And there's other people saying, "Oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that." But they didn't have what I had within six months. I was outperforming them. A new bloke in real estate. These guys have been in there for years because I didn't listen to their small-minded thinking, their small-minded suggestions. Yeah. I had an idea on what I wanted to do, and I was going to meet that target, and I drove to get it. Um, so I think that's one of the worst things that a new employee coming into the office, you've got your job, grind. If the, in, if the culture is not that, ignore it, just work. Mm, mm. I think that's a good lesson though, what you said is, you know, get your, look at who you're getting your advice from. You know, if you earn, you know, I, I remember when I started in real estate, I mean, the wage is about a third of what it is now. And I remember someone standing by. The you. Give, what's that? It was a hundred grand a year. Oh yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I, think it like, I think it was like twenty. But anyway, and um, I remember a guy standing at the photocopier giving me some advice, and um, and I said, oh, and so how much did you gross last year? And he goes, oh, you know, twenty five thousand dollars. Said, dude, I didn't come here to earn any less than a hundred. When you reach that, I'm happy to take your advice. And I moved on. And of course, yeah. he went and yeah, he left three weeks later. But he went and told everyone else that that's what I was gunning for. And I achieved it in my first year in real estate back in 1980, 1990 for in sales. But yeah. it was in 1880, you meant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the first podcast. Thomas has got someone that's older than him. So that's why you're <laughs> confident, right? Even if he's got to make up my age to be older, but that's okay. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and that's where you've got to listen. I think for anything, doesn't matter whether you're a property manager, whether you're customer care, Listen mm -hmm. to who you're taking your advice from, because if, yeah. if they're not a performer, an achiever, and a winner, they're just there to drag you down at the coffee machine to make themselves look better. So yes, I exactly. think listening to the wrong people. 
Yeah. Here's another mistake for, for me to share. <clears throat> Please do not have social media on your work time. Oh. And do not think that social media is going to bring you more listings. So I think that if, if anything, if you can't prospect, if you can't just get yourself in front of people, you're not going to be successful. So don't think that you're going to come into real estate and that a few photos on Instagram is going to do it. Mm, mm, mm. Even the people who are working Instagram, they're paying a fortune before the Instagram is paying off. So don't even think that by sitting there, watching a few nice likes and comments, I mean, I don't know whether they still exist, uh, on, on Facebook and Instagram, that's, that you're going to be really having a successful career. If you're going to be in real estate, tell your family, you will not see me at Sunday's birthday parties for many years to come. Because I am working for an income that is going to be provided to you guys after the birthday parties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, on that one as well, I think social media can work really good, but it's not it's it, it's not the only thing. I think, as you said, Thomas, you still got to be in front of people and doing the doing the hard yards, so to speak. You can't expect social media to be your magic pill. Um, if you work it really well, it can it can pay off. But um, the other one that just came to mind whilst we were talking for a new person, I think one of the biggest mistakes that they can make and will cost them dearly is not asking for help. You know, they've got so many people around them that can help and give such great advice. And again, like don't take it from anybody who's doing worse than you, but take it from people who have stood the test of time and, you know, can, you know, you trust and can see that they've they've made something of themselves but i see too many new recruits fear making mistakes and fear asking for help because they don't want to annoy you and i'm so constantly apologizing i'm so sorry to ring you i'm so sorry to i would rather you ring me a hundred times and get it right than go out on a whim and make it wrong and then i've got to spend a hundred hours fixing it just ask because the quick pardon nge nge yeah but um, it is, and, and hence your your great books helping a lot of people in that regard. But it's so a lot of, and, it, and I th I don't think it's new people. I think everybody struggles a little bit with asking for help. Doesn't matter how long you've been in real estate. There's ego involved and all the rest of it. But how much easier would life be if people just actually, instead of fearing making a mistake, just actually said, "I'm new and I don't get it or I don't understand. This is what I'm struggling with," and ask for that help? Wouldn't life just be so much easier? Yeah. But, I have to say, I don't comprehend what you just said because I am the number one kind of guy to ask questions. I have I have no problem with asking questions because to fulfill the dream and desires of myself and my family is more important than the questions I I would be asking. Yeah. I would ask questions. I, if, if you were to see people in my entire life, I think even when, when I was studying English, it was thousands of questions. When I was in real estate, Thousands of questions. If I had a mentor, thousands of phone calls. The guy would have to hang out. Mm. My, my first mentor, he was a black American guy, two meters tall. He would get calls from me at any time of the day. But you know why? Because I'm thinking, hold on. If I have a source of knowledge, a source of income for me, why would I go in with my bucket and get the, the gold from that source? Why would I try to look for a gold mine and dig? I, so I made, I called him, I called him, I called him. And do you know what he said to me one day? He said to me, 
Thomas, you're the best student I ever had. I, I, I cannot believe how, how much of a sponge you are. You, you grab stuff and I see you apply the afternoon. And by the way, I, I won't tell too many people, I was his number one performer. Mm. Just to be a clue between phone calls, income, goals, dreams. And I, and I think that the people who don't do that are the people who are so imprisoned by their ego that they will just die poor. Mm -hmm. I, I, I truly believe that they will die poor. Mm -hmm. So either you, if you're an employee now, you either you just go for 18 months of asking and set yourself a goal, 1,000 questions. If you don't get 1,000 questions by the end of the 18 months, you mm -hmm. will not make it, my guarantee. 100%, 100%, because the hours that I've spent trying to fix things where people could have just asked a question and it could have been so easy. And just on on that, um, Thomas, it's uh, probably a little bit off the topic here, but agents going broke trying to look rich, you know, it's all about looking the part. <laughs> but it's not agents, it, it's people. Uh, yeah. The number of people I know who tried to keep up with everyone else and now they have nothing and probably not even together anymore because they, could not do it. Like, I, I was training. I was training some people yesterday. We were about sixteen people in the room, and Richard Martinezzi was there, and, and he still remembers me saying to him, "Man, you're one of that, those guys that actually drown." And I'm more worried about how to drown nicely. Help. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. But how often do we see that? How often do we see that? And. Um, you know, it's like a, a bit of a topic or a discussion that I had with a couple of people in the team the other day. They're relatively new and they're chasing these ginormous big development sites and this. I said, that's years of work and years of training and years of understanding and not to mention a year in the council and a year. I said, little fish are sweet. I said, just go chase the little fish. And I don't mean like the nothing, but you go the bread and butter stock or this. That stuff is for like when you're like Bruce's age and you've got that time to spend months and hours and years on trying to get it to fruition. But don't try to, don't go broke trying to look rich because that's all you're doing it for, you know? And it's like people you see, I've been in the houses, they drive a nice car, they drive a, have a beautiful home and you go inside to listen, they're sitting on milk crates and you're like, what, what's going on here, you know? But that's the reality. Some people, it's all about the facade or the perception, what they get from others. but. How many agents do we see start out and it's all about the the image you know uh but they're broke morally and ethically and value wise you know what i mean financially and also family i've seen i've seen a i was speaking to a leader yesterday who said that she divorced for a second time but this woman here started in real estate everything's hunky-dory and she got on latched onto a, a developer thought that he was like Wow, that he he had something two hundred fifty thousand properties to give her. Anyway, he invited her uh, back to his bed. Uh, whatever happened on the, in the bedroom, I, I don't know. But he she lost her her marriage, right? Mm -hmm. Then when she turned to the guy, he said, "I don't want you." So and she lost her her job, and that's it. The rest is story. People who are chasing the dream and think, do you know, this is what I say to people who just latch onto a developer. You think that the developer is stupid enough to go with a new week. Mm. You think that the developer hasn't got 2000 people in his ears. Yes. 
Right. So how cool if you can develop the relationship into the best out of the 2000, mm-hmm. till then you still need bread and butter to survive. Exactly my point. Mm-hmm. So I think another one probably for bad decisions is your health. Um, I mean, if you don't look after yourself when you're a real estate agent, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter what role you have, whether it's the stress you take home from property management, the anxiety you carry because you really hate being on reception or, you know, the fact that you eat out of the garbage bin at the office, um, it's going to affect your health, you know, so you really need to be fit, be smart, what, you know, you are what you eat, as lawyers always says, um, watch because, you know, plenty of fat walking real estate agents around town that are heart attacks waiting to happen. Um, oh. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Yeah, there's, a, there's a saying, the saying that I heard is that you, you, with decisions, you pay for it before or you pay for it after. Yeah. You still pay for it. And nothing tastes as good as skinny feels, just so you know. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I'm sorry. A Big Mac is almost as good, I have to say. Like okay. or a Grand Angus meal. Oh my God. Yeah. But I think um, on the health I, thing, yeah, sorry, yeah. Thomas, you go. I'm only looking forward to the day that I'm dead and the six guys that are carrying me, I'm, I will have the final, <laughs> so like 200 kilos, mate. What do you feel about that? <laughs> We're using a stroller, mate. We're using one of those, the, the wheelie things, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's carrying your fat ass, I'll tell you. <laughs> but on, the, on, on a serious note, though, with the health, like we all know, like um, I, I think the... the the health thing is pretty serious like if you let yourself get too um involved and emotionally involved a lot of the time i think the mental health of it sometimes can be i find a lot of the time carrying we deal with a lot of people's biggest assets dreams whatever we can take all that on board sometimes and i think it's a lot like um you've got to debrief sometimes and you've also got to not carry that personally you've also you've also got an i've seen a lot of people just walk out because they lost the listing because they can't fathom or, or or carry that hurt or that rejection. It's it's a lot like protecting your health. It's not about just what we eat. It's about our mental health and physical health as well. I think it's, you know, we wear a lot of hats as agents. Um, whilst we are just agents, we sometimes can wear 10 different hats. And, um, you know, because we're involved in the emotional, big emotional decisions, uh, it's hard to get sucked into, but it's also hard to, um, you know, not take a lot of things personally. We do have a lot of rejection as well. So that's a big, I think, big thing. Look, when it comes to the rejection side of things and losing listings, I think agents, good agents, need to take that loss on. And yeah. they can't, I believe, they can't have it like water off a duck's back. I don't believe they got to take that. because, But they've got to be able to use it as fuel to push yeah. forward to yeah. the next one. And they can't wallow in their crap. No, if that's, you, if, that's if, right. If you, if you lose a listing, all right. You Go and feel sorry for yourself. Go for a walk, make a phone call, and then move forward. You've got to get back on the horse. That's exactly it, Chris. You've got to have thick skin. And I, But if you really badly suffer from the NGA that Thomas talks about, I tell you what, because in the early years, it was hard for me. I, I, I felt, and probably being a mum and a woman, I took on everything like it was my problem. And if I lost a listing, I was the worst person in the world, and I'm a failure, and... Like it's, you know, it's hard. Like you've got to be mentally strong, mentally strong, you know, and that's that's the beauty of 
you know, when you sort of are aware of these things that drive us, you get to be mentally strong and you realize, you know, it's just a bad day, not a bad life. You just get on with it. But having said that, the good agents still care. You know, I mean, I can tell you, I, I, I don't live the life of maybe stress that I would have years ago, but if one of my sellers is hurting, I'm hurting until I can get them to the place. If one of my team's hurting, I'm hurting just as much. I mean, one of our team hasn't been very well the last week or so. And in many a night I've woken up worrying about that person because it's just the nature of you've got to look after your team. You've got to look after your family. So Mm. you you never. So so when you, when you wake up in the middle of the night worrying about that person, like Lisa helps you unstress and go back to sleep. Lisa's sound asleep. Don't you worry. <laughs> There's no waking Lisa up when she goes to sleep. So, <laughs> so. good try. Good try on that one. So, listen, listen, you, you, listen. There's no camp. So I have to try and be a bit of a camp. You're too, you're too quiet, man. <clears throat> uh, one of my last one is for salespeople is do if one of the mistakes you make when you join a team is not to see long-term future. If you are if, if you look at a team and you see that, you know, they have no one really flying and, and setting up their own show and, and be able to do some things, and, yeah. and don't, don't join them because there is no long-term plan for you but just being a salesperson. I think mm. that you need to really look at a leader who is going to help you soar with the eagles, not keep you flying with the pigeons. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I think to me, leaders look after themselves first. That shocks some people, actually, because I recently had a chat with one of our team about, you know, maybe they can might consider opening their own office or whatever. And it was thrown out there as a, you know, something I'd like to do in the future. But when you sit down and have the chat, it was amazing. It it, it went a very quiet conversation for a little while that, you know, so it it is something we do promote. And it's like Thomas said, it's what you want to do. But I think some people have the thought they want to do it. But when the olive branches out of let's maybe talk closer, it it, it might not going to happen, you know, but I think it's what Thomas said. I mean, I went, I I worked for an agent and I bought his office. um, And I still have the same office today that that's, you know, but he he saw something in me and and, and offered a twenty one year old to go buy their own real estate agency. So um, his name is Ron Wilkinson, right? His name is Ron Wilkinson. That is correct. Yep. Yeah. And he's yeah. beautiful person. Beautiful person. Mm-hmm. Only real estate leader I ever had. So because I worked for the one company and then bought it. So um, the last time we saw him, that was you and me together. Uh, yep. Yep. We dropped in to see him at Heather Bray when we were up there. So. Um, that's awesome. You sound like the, I think it's Wilkinson Shear, the, the, the Razor commercial. That's and the his, commercials, the commercials line was, the commercials <laughs> line was, uh, I like it so much, I bought the company. Well, well there you are. <laughs> <laughs> and Ron is like that, mate. Anyway, so let's have a look at the, the third group now, which is from an employer's point of view. What are the mistakes that employers make in real estate? Well, what mm. are the true costs? Sorry? Well, we're doing the true costs. So what is yeah. yeah, the true cost of bad decisions. Is that what you're saying? I've not made any bad decisions, so I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but you're rich. It's okay. <laughs> he's, <laughs> off. He just inherited, he's just inherited, mate. It's going to take oh, shut up. 15 years before he spends it all. So, yeah, but listen. <laughs> well, Richard Martinisi was the richest guy, but it turned out um, you are now, so it's all right. <laughs> 
No, I was. It was funny because I had a, a lunch yesterday with Richard Martinez, and he said, "Oh, but I've been, I've been uh, running my own show for five years." I said, "No, no, no, just two. He said, "No, seven. I said, "No, no, for five years, your parents run your own show." <laughs> <laughs> he laughed. Yeah. So, so, so one of the mistakes that I think that uh, business owners have is to put up with four hundred pound gorillas. Big one. Big, big one. I was, I was having a chat with a leader today and I said to him, <clears throat> as a business owner, let me give you an analogy. You're like running a zoo. <clears throat> and in your zoo, you have a 400-pound gorilla. It's like a bit like King Kong, if you will. It's important to have King Kong because King Kong is a good attraction. There's a lot of people who will buy the ticket to come to your zoo. But imagine if King Kong just fell off the, 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 the tower. What have you got left? Nothing. So you must make sure you invest in the rest of the zoo. Mm. But that's the point. I think you get the 400 pound gorilla because you didn't recruit, you didn't invest in the rest of your team, that mm. that person, and for those who don't know what a 400 pound gorilla is, it's that staff member who thinks that the world can't exist without them. And, you know, if everyone else is getting this, I want double that, and I want yes. this, and I want that, and by the way, I don't want to actually work four days of the week, I'll just turn up one, and if we haven't recruited, which is one of the bad decisions in real estate, you end up putting up with those sort of people and you have no choice, so what you do, it's be on your own or and have no team or have the gorilla, so, mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's our, it's again, it's a leader's fault or an agency's fault for doing it because they haven't prepared better, I haven't made them not be in that situation mm. what happened is that you know the young recruits can't grow and as they grow they, they see that you know they be kept behind uh, down because of the the uh, the gorilla and so they end up losing so all you do is that you're losing potential on on the side and you keep on feeding this gorilla because from 400 goes to 800 800 i mean there's more banana you have to buy to feed the the gorilla mm. you know? yeah my fa favorite thing to do with the gorilla is to shoot it <laughs> and eat it. It allows me to distribute the rest of the bananas to the rest of the zoo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it caused you to lose your culture. Like, you what know, what is that noise? One of us is having a, a lot of one of us is moving something, not me. My hands are here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you'd lose the culture of your agency and a 400 pound grill it'll help you do that because everyone watches them yeah. get away with murder and then thinks, well, hang on, you just stopped me from doing that, but you let them, okay, um, I'm out of here. You know, I'm going to somewhere where it's more fair. So um, mm -hmm. you've got to be- the, 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 funny, the funny thing is that when the gorilla is so big, it will break its own caging wall and your zoo will have zero gorilla. Therefore action to people anyway so you might as well just make sure you have a real zoo mm. because if the gorilla leaves there's still other things like you have gorilla in the making right <laughs> of zoo. So this, so the gorilla's in the mist you was <laughs> in the list <laughs> oh dear but yeah it's so true and like how many how many offices do we see where their their actual leaders are held hostage by these goddamn gorillas um and you can't and, and they, they can't do anything you know because... that's why it's called gorilla warfare oh is it is that right <laughs> 
Guerrilla Mafia. Isn't that what it's called as well? But um, yeah, I think one of the other big ones for me is, and which is um, sort of uh, probably since going through COVID and stuff like that, it's been a big eye opener is the leaders who expect their team to grow, but they're not prepared to grow themselves. I think that's a huge one. I've seen like a lot of people have gone through a lot of changes and, and dug a lot deeper and found a different level of awareness and understanding and what what matters and what doesn't. And, you know, seeing leaders who have remained the same and expect the same, but the people have, they've gone from here to here, you know what I mean? And, and the leaders haven't grown with them, but to expect somebody else to change, but not change yourself, big no-no, big yeah. no-no, Beautiful. big cost there is you'll end up by yourself with no team and, you know, yeah. and whatever else. So the other one is, um, and, and I've experienced this is holding on to the wrong people too long. And I'm not talking about 400 pound gorillas. You, you might've employed someone who it may not be there. Microscopic plankton. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So holding to onto the wrong people too long. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do, you want to, do you want to say talk a little bit more about it because like a lot of people are going to say hold on how what is a wrong person first well you get a gut feel i mean if you send them the training and they're, and they're not involved um you don't feel they're uh, they're putting in more than they're taking and it's not a transactional thing i'm talking about it but i'm this is their career that i'm talking about so you'd think they'd want to invest more in themselves than they you know than you would expect um when when you're when you're training and you're trying to lift them, but they just sort of they're obstinate and their refusal to to improve. Um, when you've had advice that maybe that's the wrong person to have within your business for that specifically for your area, maybe they don't fit the area very well. Uh, maybe their personality is not the right thing. Um, the way they the way they treat um, others within your office um, and nice, I like that one. Yeah, and maybe and and um, pull their attention away from where it should be. Uh, that that could be also one. So, uh, and the other one would be um, so, some people who lack like a lot of empathy. Um, they don't realise when they're asking the right or wrong questions. Mm -hmm. um, so then that might be a recourse. So sometimes you don't know if while they're doing their job and the job that you ask them to do. The repercussions of the job that you're asking them to do when they're doing their job. Mm. I like it. Mm. Yeah. And, and hiring someone who failed the recruit exam. Thomas <laughs> 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 Well, I used to do that. They used to call me Mr. iPad, I think. Um, because yeah. It's an iPad. And you know, I like each week, your, like, your friend. I'll give you zero result. They'll be the same as the other person. <laughs> because, you yeah. know, they'd, they'd fail the recruited exam and I'd try to prove Thomas wrong. But you know what? I think I can make something from this. And, you know, like $20,000 later, um, Thomas was right. And that person was never going to make it. And, and I put him on for four months and made nothing. Mm. So, you mm. know, it, it's, it, I think it's that, you know, if they don't pass the recruit exam, they shouldn't be there. And, you know, one of the, we're the, one of the only groups who runs a full three-day course has a written and a practical exam to get in. Mm. And you know what? You want to become a doctor, you can't fail university. You want to drive a car, you can't fail your license. So, exactly. you know, we set the benchmark higher so we can get the best. And then idiots like me used to let the losers who passed in anyway 
um, and you think why, you know? So I think it's, you know, a lesson I learned very expensively. Mm, mm. Yeah, but it, it, we can't blame you. You're doing the same thing as sellers, which is running on hope. Mm. I have already spent that much money. Hopefully they can turn around. And mm. then so they, it's just sellers, buyers, employees, owners, we all the same, mate. We, we run on our human nature and hope does that to us. Yeah. I think another true cost, and, and I'm not saying that it doesn't apply for salespeople, but for real estate principals, I mean, we've got our houses on the line as an agency owner. So, you know, if we can't run the people to the way, receive, you know, get the targets that we set, get the results in that we need, um, it costs our family money, it, it, it costs mm. our life money, and if it goes bad enough, it can cost us our home. So, yet mm. we made that decision when we became principals and owned real estate agencies and owned a business. But if we manage it badly, you know, some people can go get another job if it doesn't work out as a salesperson or as a property manager. But you know, not many jobs around for real estate agents or real estate principals who didn't make it and you've lost your house in the meantime and you could probably lose your wife and family at the same time. So, you know, mm -hmm. I think we've got to realise that, yes, we're employing people and, yes, we, we've got to work with them the best we can, but we've also got to probably do what Chris said, not keep the wrong people on because they're the ones that are going to cost us. Gosh. I, Chris, I think I found a solution to Steve Thompson. Yeah. We are going to start our podcast in the future whenever he replaces any one of us at five. But for just for Stephen, he's going to start at three thirty. He needs <laughs> to him. He gets started. He gets going after the second. No, <laughs> 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 well, so so what's another employer's uh, mistake? I, I think another another employer's mistake is letting go of the basics. I, yes. You know that that's my philosophy, right? So mm. I truly believe that the basics is only allowed to people who have mastered the basics. Mm. Novelty then can come in, right? People talk about novelties and new things and new ways of doing things. Show me that you master the basics, then you can have novelties. Mm. But that you're no longer mastering it, don't have novelties. And you know, I, I look at people who play the guitar. You ever seen a guy play with the guitar totally differently, like maybe with his teeth or something, like something new? I don't know. I'm interested in the new, you know? No, they, they, they just want to make sure that they can master the, the, the way that the fingers can travel the chords faster. Mm, mm, yeah. You know, when you say novelties, Thomas, sorry, the basics, master the basics, um, do you include training in that? Because I think a lot of leaders, a lot of leaders eliminate or don't do constant training with their team. Mm. And I think that's a huge sort of a huge one that costs you. It's a compounding effect in the future. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Anyone who's not understanding this should not have a business or they will have a business that when they are 63 will still be working in the business. And if yeah. you're a leader that's by yourself and you say, I don't need to train because I don't have a team, well, that's crap as well because you can be training yourself, you know, and so. But a leader who's by themselves aren't following the basics anyway because the basics in our system says you must have Recruit. four salespeople or you must have two salespeople and two or three assistants. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, a, it's back to the base. It's following those basics of either numbers or results mm -hmm. or. 
Mm. I think another one for me, another one for me. Unless they have four egos, alter egos, and then (laughs) they're fine. Do very well in real estate. (laughs) It's all about me, myself, and I. (laughs) The other one I think is it's um it's a huge one, and I think a lot of people pick up on it is um handling cultural breaks within an office very, very quickly. Um, so if you see culture being, you know, challenged, broken or whatever it may be, handling that very swiftly and quickly and, and not allowing that to, to build. You know, 100%, Chris, one of the things I learned recently was the standard that you walk past is the standard that you set. So in other words, if you're willing to turn a blind eye, you're setting your culture right there. And that's been a huge thing for me because there used to be things that I'd go, "Mm, not the right time, probably bad, but can't be bothered. That's not good, but I'm in a hurry, I've got to go. No, like it's the standard you walk past is the standard that you set. And if that's what you're willing to walk past and, and, and you gotta think like, we've got so many people who watch us and watch our moves and watch our decisions. And if we let something slide and they go, hmm, all right, well, if they can do that, I'll do that. And if not, I'll do one worse or whatever. So right. 100% right. You know, we've got to be always on guard, particularly for the culture and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's a it's a big one. It's a big, big one. Another one would be accountability. Uh, another one I thought of is not holding your team accountable uh, to, to, to the tasks that they're required to do. Mm. Um, but that's not holding yourself accountable exactly yeah because if you're not holding yourself accountable then you're not going to hold your team accountable because then no one needs to be accountable so we're all okay yeah mm. well done Steve. well done you can stay and that's in the back of the your culture <laughs> within the office right so um, yes. are you yeah. into your second bottle Stephen? are you in the second bottle? <laughs> he's not he's not me Cam's coming back next week, so just suck it up, you three. All right. I'm here next week, Bob. So you're you're still here next week. I'm busy. So um, exactly when he started his second bottle, mate, he's on the roll now. Have a look. Now (laughs) he's got the audacity to talk back at us, mate. You know, you know that in cancel you as of now, your screen will just disappear. You understand? So be careful. <laughs> we have the mute button. We have the mute button. <laughs> is that something I was maybe scared of? It's funny because we have a few minutes is recruiting. I, I personally believe a lot of people are focusing on recruiting. This is what I like to say to leaders. Recruiting comes second to retention. 100 million percent. Retain the people you have, you know. Yeah. Stop wanting what you don't have. Start wanting what you have. Mm. Yes. And that's it. How many times do we see people, they treat their new recruits better than they treat the ones that have been there 15 or 20 years. And it's like what we were talking about last week in um, uh, people paying, don't sell or don't sell, we don't worry about interest rates. We were talking about people that pay the loyalty tax, the premium of loyalty tax, which is staying where you've been forever and getting shafted because the, the more loyal you are, the worse you get treated. We don't want to be that person and we don't want to be that company but unfortunately it happens a lot um you know and so that's it like making sure that we look after the ones we've got before we worry about the ones we don't have very nice okay awesome. being our guest here Stephen, we're gonna let you uh, finish it after louise for sure and chris <laughs> <laughs> so, let's start with louise louise why don't you oh, just okay I think real estate or not, 
bad bad deals come from bad decisions and bad decisions probably come from you know what what's driving us and i think at the end of the day if it if it doesn't sit well in your gut or your mind there's a reason why we have a thing called our gut instinct it's probably telling you you're onto something so be more aware of what your gut's telling you and forget about what the 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 dream or the thing that you've been sold or the hope like like what we said if you've latched on to hope after you've heard price you're probably about to make a bad decision if you you've got hope before you've heard price you're probably about to make a good decision so be mindful of that. i love that i hope someone's gonna have that cut and show sellers because they're gonna show sellers how to think properly that's nice thank you louise Okay. When Cam's all around, you think totally differently. You don't worry about him that I much. should have cut her I'm off. I'm just allowed to speak. Sorry. I'm just allowed to speak. Josh, <laughs> Louise, what would you know anyway? Listen, um, listen, guys. Yeah. That, was a, that was a what Brene say, Brown. What do you that say? That was a Brene Wilson? Brown saying, I'm sorry, that was from direct out of the Brene Brown books. Ah, uh, well. <laughs> Stop swearing. Isn't Brene Brown a swear word? <laughs> it is to Mr. Wilson, yes. He's all right. He's a good egg. Anyway, Chris. Uh, good decisions come from experience. Experience comes from bad decisions. But just don't be scared to make bad decisions, but learn from it. Make yeah. sure you learn from it. And implement their actions for good decisions quickly. Nice, Chris. Whole and lot of wisdom. He has to finish. And the more money you have, the more bad decisions you can make. <laughs> Lucky you got plenty. <laughs> oh, God. Who needs enemies, eh? Who needs enemies? I think it's fantastic. Both on my parents' side and my in-law's side, there's not much money that's going to come to me. So I can't afford bad decisions. <laughs> me too. Me too. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Steve. Two choices. You can slip under the radar. Do the do the bare minimum and hope you achieve your career, or you can set goals, set targets for yourself, involve your family in your business as well, so that like they feel part of the fact that you go to work every day and that you're trying to get something for them. Whether you're in property management, customer care, sales, if you share that with your family, share the journey with them all, you've got a lot better chance of not making bad decisions and keeping a real estate career. Wow! Yeah, very good. Thank you so much, Stephen. I love you after the second bottle. Thank you, guys. <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Wait, see you next week. Goodbye, all. Bye-bye. <laughs>